I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 8 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take our Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com and a whole bunch of Movies by Minute shows. Welcome back, Jim. Hey, Rob. Thanks again for having me on. This has been a really fun week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always fun talking to you, even even if we have to whisper, you know, oh, in, yeah. in your bad ear. <laughs> In your bed here, yes. <laughs> so minute eight oh, begins with uh, Mary finishing her secrets and ends with Gower dropping a bunch of pills. Ooh, whoops. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's not a good day. <laughs> uh, no, no, not not a good day for anybody. Yeah. So basically, actually, if you think about it, I don't think anyone has a good day today. I mean, just, just thinking about what happens in this day in the movie to everyone – uh, That's true. You know, uh, Mary uh, sort of gets brushed off by 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 uh, George uh, Gower. We'll talk about today what what why it's such a bad day for him. Uh, George ends up getting uh, beaten, and he gets well. First, he gets ignored by his father. Then he gets beaten. Uh, you know, and uh, okay, so that's not a good day for him. Uh, yeah. Uncle Billy, Uncle Billy, we'll talk about a little bit. We'll talk about uh, t- I think on Friday. You know, it's not a good day for him because he he once again forgot something. Peter Bailey, it's not a good day for him because he he gets uh, uh, embarrassed in front of his son. Uh, I guess Potter's the only one who has a good day because he gets to be well, a mean old bastard. You gotta yeah. remember, you gotta remember, uh, Violet <laughs> Violet did score that sweet sweet licorice for only two cents. She got a pretty good deal. He's a he's okay. heavy handed on handing over the uh, the licorice. So basically, the only people who have a good day today are Violet and Mr. Potter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Harry Potter, <laughs> Henry Henry Harry Potter, Henry, and it's because F, he must Henry be he must be using that black magic, you know. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> ah, the uh, so uh, so we're getting into uh, uh, yeah. Mary's giving her giving him an ear test. That's right, and, and basically, you know, I, I like the way that they they give us this great exposition uh, about who Mary is. That Mary is madly in love with George, you know, and George yeah. is completely in the dark about this. He has no idea. Yeah, because she, I, fin- she finishes her sentence by saying, "George Bailey, I'll love you till the day I die." <laughs> well, I, I don't think he was even picking up the the clues that Violet was dropping. He's really bad about women. I just he's not he's not it, really which um, which is really funny based on the next thing that he says. You know, he he stands up completely oblivious to everything and then says, "I'm going out exploring so, someday. You watch, and I'm going to have a couple of harems and maybe three or four wives. Wait and see." You know, maybe he needs three or four wives because he doesn't know how to pay attention to any of them. So, yeah, you know, yeah. so he's got three of them that are upset at him at the same time, while there's one who's not. You know, yeah, he's, and then that's really that he's, he's really got to work on his game. He's really <laughs> bad at all this. Yes. 
Especially if he wants a hair. You know, to, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's just very, very interesting. So, so what is a harem? I think you're going to tell us. I know, but I was asking first if Jim. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think it just I think it just means women in your household. I, I, I don't think it had like I I think the actual terminology is like women who live in a household. I, I may That's be right. wrong. That's I, right. It's female members of the family. That's all it is. You know, yeah. But but in in you know when when you see harems in in movies or when you read about them in books and stuff like that, you know where they're you know you have the sultan with his harem and stuff like that. Yeah. Those are basically all his wives. So, you know, his wives and his concubines and all that stuff. So these are just the women of his household. It's not, you know, it makes it sound as if it's a, uh, you know, a, a house of ill repute where people are, you know, that, that, that that's what's going on. But it's not. It's it's a family structure. You know, which yeah, is, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, which, I mean, which the, is interesting the way that, 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 you know, we think of the kind of connotation of it, but that's wrong. You know, as you said, it it just means the female members of the family. Yeah, I mean, my my son has a harem. He's got a wife and three daughters. So it's, <laughs> um, it's yes, yeah, but it, but it, but if he goes around telling people I have a harem at home, people are not going to think of that. You know? No, no, it's going to come across the wrong. Well, you know, we have a. I think you know, thank thanks Hollywood, thanks a bunch. I, I, That's right. <laughs> it, yeah, it it's um you and the weirdest thing when you think of the word harem you instantly hear an oboe playing in a minor key it's it's yeah. just one of those things. it's the same thing when you think snake charmer um that's right but the uh yeah it's uh it, it's very but and he you know it's like was this in your national geographic george are you reading the are you just looking at the pictures or what you know it's, I, uh, I have a feeling that that it is he, he's but but again, apparently he doesn't really understand everything yeah, yeah. that he's reading in there. I mean, you mentioned yesterday that the National Geographic would come in this brown paper bag. Uh, yeah. You know, it, there's there's there. I, I guess you know it, it was at least I remember it was a known thing. You know, when when you know when I was a kid that people were talking about, oh, you can go to the library and you can look at uh, you know pictures of women in Africa. You know, yeah. in the National Geographic, you know, if it's coming in a brown paper bag, you know, <laughs> it has a different type of connotation. Yeah, it's uh, it, it. Yeah. And it's like they didn't back then they didn't even have pictures on the front of the National Geographic. But when you opened it up, it was like, oh, my goodness. That's so, right. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, it's science, right? Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, in the name George, of good science. <laughs> George was getting it for the articles, I'm sure. That's right. So, of course. Uh, he was he, he was reading the interviews. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and it, you know the the fact that he also mentions that he wants to have three or four wives, so I, I guess he wants to be a polygamist. Yeah, and but and apparently he can't deal with one or two women. <laughs> he's got, I don't know what he's going to do with three That's or four right. of them. It's just, <laughs> That's right. It's just. I mean, again, as 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 someone who's been married, you know, happily, and you know, I, I don't understand why someone wants a second second wife. You know, at yeah, the same it, time, <laughs> one yeah. one is more than enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a um. There was a Robert Sheckley short story, and um, it was about uh, the, the – uh, he gets visit uh, – this guy gets visited by the devil, and uh, apparently hell is full, so they're trying to stop people from sinning by having them doing good deeds. And so he said he gave him uh, a wish, and uh, – he gave him three wishes, and so he said – Whatever whatever you wish for, your worst enemy will get twice that. He said, "So if I wish for a million dollars, because that's right, your 
your worst enemy would get two million dollars. I guess if I wish for double pneumonia, or if I wish for pneumonia, yeah, you'd get double pneumonia. So you don't want to do that either. Um, so then, uh, <laughs> then so he he made a wish and he wound up with uh, uh, he wished for a thousand pounds of sardines, and so he got a thousand pounds of sardines, and he sold off half of them, ate a half a pound of them, and then um, he, he threw away the rest. And his, he found out that his his worst enemy, who used to, he used to be a coworker that he thought was his friend, got twice that and made twice as much money selling the sardines. So then he asked for a uh, million dollars, and then his 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 worst enemy got two million. And he said, so his final wish was, I wished for the most wonderful wife I could ever have. And so uh, his worst enemy wound up with two of the most wonderful women he could ever have, and he couldn't handle. He's uh, he could he couldn't he he couldn't get make both of them happy at the same same time because they were both wonderful and, and he was you know tormented forever. So it's yeah. like this George has not learned to be careful. You know it's the monkey's paw kind of the thing. Just that's right. Be careful what you wish for. I thought that I thought that whole joke was is that that he asked to be beaten half to death. You know. Ah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. <laughs> no, that would be a good one. I, yeah. I've heard that also somewhere. Yeah. Now, d- did you notice that? As George is talking, he's basically, uh, you know, uh, waving the the scoop with chocolate at her, but it's yes. not flashing onto her. You know, he's no, he's he's quite lucky that he's not he didn't uh, ruin Mary's dress by getting yeah. a little chocolate. You know that 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 yeah. uh, that ice cream really sticks to the to the scoop. Yeah, it's probably a gray mashed potatoes or something. But uh, and he did he he's using a different spoon and. He apparently ignored her on the uh, coconut <laughs> issue. It's like I don't I want was just coconut. about to get there. Yeah, you're you're getting coconut whether you like. It. We've got a lot of coconut here, and he gives her a lot of coconut. Exactly. Yeah. Now, did you also notice that on the register right next to him, you see two? It's registered as two, two cents. Yeah. So he did he did enter uh, Violet's uh, last right. purchase. That's uh, right. Gary's gonna have to close up early with that kind of money coming in. That's right. Um, and and as he's working, he's whistling. You know, he's, yeah, he keeps whistling, and then we hear Gower bark from George. George, he goes, "Yes, sir. You're not paid to be a canary." <laughs> wow, I, I, he's Warner is amazing in this. I mean, those watery. I know, I know, he's probably like dropping in glycerin drops or something like that. But just that they claim they claim that he was that he was drunk when he was doing the scene in order to get into. You know, he's he's a method actor. You know, trying I, to get into yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't imagine. I mean, Warner was he's amazing. If you watch any of his movies, he's just stunning. But maybe he did. I don't know. Who knows? It's just uh, and the uh, yeah that that little uh, gigolo of a mustache that he's yeah. got. It's just he yeah, it's just right. looks horrible. And he talks he talks with with the cigar in his mouth. He looks like yeah. uh, you know. Uh, I don't know why I was thinking Popeye, but someone, you know, one of the it, it's. There used to be a there used to be a a cartoon called Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse, and okay, there was a frog in there, and the frog always I think it was just called the frog, and he had a he always had a, he would talk with a cigar in his mouth, and the cigar would bounce up and down while he was chatting, mm-hmm. and he he does look like a cartoon character here, it's just yeah, um, yeah, the, the the long thinning hair and just the the vest he has on, he just doesn't look like he's put together very well right no. now. Not at all. And George, and George notices that there's something wrong here. You know, you can yeah. see the look on his face as he's putting putting all of this uh, coconut on <laughs> on on the ice cream that she specifically asked not 
to give him. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, he's given like extra, extra, extra. So, That's um, right. He's like, you don't like it? This is what you're going to get. <laughs> and then he sees a, a, a piece of paper on, on the register, which he should have noticed before when he actually put the two cents in the register. You know, for the for the licorice that that Violet bought, but he apparently didn't. And then we we get a close up of this telegram, and you know it says Bedford Falls, New York, QAB six zero five three one three X, May third, nineteen nineteen. So we were talking earlier in the week about when this takes place. So this is basically May third. May third was a Saturday, right? Uh, in nineteen nineteen. You know, so that's what. That's why all the girls were in, you know, they weren't at school. They were in having ice cream. That's right. And, uh, and, and we were on the third and, and he's allowed to be open, you know, legally in Bedford yeah. Falls. You know, and but, we but see, do you see that it was sent see. at 12, 11 a.m.? Yeah. So right in, right in the middle of the, the night, he, uh, he, uh, I guess he died at midnight and they got it right out to him and said suddenly this morning, if this morning being after midnight, um, well, again, the question is, and we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll read through what it says here first, and then we'll ask that question. Sure. There is a, a glaring question here. So it says, Mr. Emil Gower. So his, so we find out that Mr. Gower's first name is Emil. Do, do you know what that mean? What that name means? The meaning of the name Emil? Um, I do not know. It is either a rival or trying to equal or emulate someone. Hmm. I know. I I I was trying to remember Emil's in um in movie history, and the only other Emil I could think of in, Emil Jennings is one I was thinking of. Oh, oh, I was thinking of uh, characters in movies. The oh. uh, the police officer in Long Island who arrested uh, Roger Thornhill in North by Northwest mm. was named was named Lieutenant Emil, and uh. uh Roger Thornhill was kind of shocked that his first name was Emil, um, but uh, he 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 was the only other Emil I could think of in uh, in movie uh-huh. characters. Okay, but I, I, I didn't I didn't check it up. That I did I didn't check to try and find how many Emils uh, how many known Emils there are in movies. I just found it interesting. It it sounds like a it's it's basically a German name. Ah. so uh, but Gower does not sound German. So no, it sounds. Yeah, it sounds either um, Welsh or Irish, even. That's right, and and um, I heard I heard that the the name Gower in this movie came from the fact that it was a street that was like near the uh, the studio. Par- yeah, Par Paramount has the Gower Street Gate. There, um, which runs in front of uh, Hollywood High School as well. Um, All right, I I do notice at the top of the page at uh, Western Union Telegram they mention Newcomb Carlton, who was the president of uh, Western Union at, at a very timely moment because in 1918, the year before this, uh, when the telegraph industry was uh, nationalized and placed under government control, he moved from being president of uh, Western Union to the director of all cable lines in the United States. There you go. And the first vice president was George W.E. Atkins. Wow. I do not know about him. I don't, I'm not sure what his history was. Yeah, but, no, uh, I don't either. I didn't look it up. So the, the, the telegram that he has here says, uh, we regret to inform you that your son, Robert, died very suddenly this morning of influenza. Stop. Everything possible was done for his comfort. Stop. We await instructions from you. Stop. Edward Millington, President, Hammerton College. I could not find a Hammerton College. Neither could I. The closest I could find is, is there are uh, two counties in, in northern Yorkshire, England. One of them is called Green Hammerton, 
and the other one was called uh, Kirk Hammerton. These are uh, parishes in the Harrogate district. Uh, that's as close as I could find. Now, for some reason, I always thought that this came from England, you know, which is why I was talking about before about the uh, the time discrepancy. Oh yeah. Oh, so it could be a, a might have happened at six a.m. or something, and this was just local. That's right. For some reason, I think it it it's in England, but but you know, we, we're never really sure where this telegram is coming from. You know, and so one of the things that I decided to look up was like, you know. For telegrams, you 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 would pay basically per word or per letter. You know, you have the the famous uh, you know joke in uh, the Three Amigos. You know, where they where they want to send a telegram and they cut out a whole bunch of different things, which completely changes the meaning of of the the telegram because that's all the money they have to be able to pay for it. I mean, this is a very long telegram. Yeah, this is you know big money, especially it's writing Hammerton College. That's right. Well, the the you know the the president of uh, of Hamilton College was was very sorry about this whole thing and therefore now in what what do you think the average length of a telegram was in the early 1900s in the U.S. Wasn't there something like 10 words or less? I believe was what it might have been. I, I'm not sure if that's an average. Okay, you were very close. the 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 average was 11.93 words, but more than half of those messages were either 10 words or fewer. Ah, wow. Yeah, I, I think it, it went up over a certain price. That's right. And in England, that number was, was higher. The, uh, the average was 14.6 words. And German telegrams were, were the average were 11.5 words. Wow. I, I know and, there's a and famous... Think about, think about how many words they have here. <laughs> now, yeah. I mean, the, the stop doesn't count, which which I find really funny that you, you know, instead of just putting a dot, you know, as as a period, you have to actually write out the word stop. Um, does he need a I mean, did he really need to stuff like we rate instructions? Does he really need to say from you? Uh, <laughs> he couldn't. Well, he wasn't paying for the letters. So if he's playing for these letters. You just write the, the letter U, you know, as you know, the, the way that everyone uh, shortens things nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a famous if apocryphal story about the shortest telegram was between um it was between Victor Hugo and his publisher, which uh he was wondering it was I think it was in the eighteen sixties sometime. And he had sent a telegram to his publisher and all he had included on it was a question mark and his publisher sent back an exclamation mark. <laughs> so Yes. Um, so, so there. When you count the 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 words, so you only count the the message itself, or do you count the the names of the people in there also? Because the message itself is just thirty words, but then if you yeah. add in the Edward Mellington, President Hamilton College, you get another five words right there, and then you have uh, you know Mr. Emil Gower, Bedford Falls, New York. Once again, you're you're adding letters there also. Yeah, think so, how much that is in licorice. Um, seriously. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, this reminds me of uh, back back in the day, us old folks, when uh, you'd you'd call home and you'd leave a collect call from a Mister uh, Skating is over, pick me up, and uh, <laughs> uh, but I guess these don't. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think people game the system as much as they would later on. It just seems like yeah, this would be something possible to do. That's right. 
Yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting the way that, uh, you know, and while they're showing us this, you can see that part of it seems to be highlighted, you know, that uh, part of the letter is, is, is lighter than the rest of it in order for us to focus on that. And then the, the, the camera actually zooms in, you know, to tell us that, you know, that this is from influenza. Now, because this was in 1919, so we, we all know, uh, especially now, <laughs> you know, anyone yeah. who knows history of, of COVID, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. we, they, you know, it was a hundred years since the Spanish flu in 1918. Yeah. You uh, just want to so, avo avoid the 1919, yeah, anything ending in 19 or 20, you just want to stay away from that part of any century. That's that's right. I, th I think most of us are safe now uh, yeah. because, <laughs> because we will probably not be around the next time those numbers show up. You know, yeah. And well, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so the, the assumption is have, yeah. the assumption is is that his son died from the Spanish flu. Yeah, you know whether whether it is or isn't, there's no way of really knowing. But uh, and the Spanish flu was it didn't it didn't hit the U.S. did it? Yeah. Oh, it it did. It uh, returning soldiers brought uh, brought it back. There were um, Massive. I know in Texas they lost uh, lots of people. The uh, actually, if I had, if I had bothered to write it all down, um, the uh, the flu hit every continent, I believe. Um, the so do you US, think, do you think that that you, means his son is is somewhere in the? I don't know why I always thought be, his son was um, was overseas. It killed fifty million people. Now the the minority of them were in the U.S. About six hundred and seventy five thousand deaths were in the United States in nineteen nineteen. Wow. So uh, a lot yeah, of returning so soldiers. Thirty-three percent of the world's population uh, in, were infected. So estimated five hundred million people globally. Kill, so one out of ten of those five hundred million people died. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. They actually, you know, it's the U.S. suffered more casualties from the flu than they did in battle from World War One. Uh, you, you, I, I, I see different source that also says that they, 675,000 uh, people died in the U.S. in 1918 and 1919 from the Spanish flu. Yeah, uh, grim. Right, but, but we don't know where, where their college is. You know? No, no, it could be anywhere. I mean, and, you know, it, it's a worldwide, that's why they called it a pandemic, but it could be anywhere where he died. But we don't really get any clues onto where, where he sent him or where, you know, where he was studying. Right. Uh, was, well, I, as we know, it's from a, a place that has a lot of money to be able to send a very long, uh, you know, telegram. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah, spare <laughs> no expense. <laughs> That's right. You know, because it makes it sound as if the, the, the college is, as, is, is at fault, you know, because yeah. it's as if they're apologizing, you know, that we yeah, couldn't sorry. do more. Yeah. I mean, how many of these... How, they must have had more than one death at Hammingham College, whatever the, the name of the thing. Well, yeah, how many people had died? Maybe this was their form letter, and they just never thought, you know, if we're going to send out about 60 of these, we're going to really be in trouble uh, on the uh, telegram budget. Yeah, no, I'm not really sure about that. So, so I mean, it, this is great way. This is a great way for, for Capra to, to give us this information without having to say it. You know, we, you don't need yeah. to really use exposition. We, you know... George is reading this telegram, and George now knows what what the story is, and that's it. 
Yeah, and this is only you 25 know. years in the past. The, the the theater goers, it's only 25 years in their past. So, you know, this is all you have to do is see the word influenza and you know what it meant. Right. Correct. Um, and so, then we see, you know, we see George's face and George already knows what this means. You know, here you yeah. have a 12 year old boy that, that, that understands the meaning of, of something like this. Yeah. So and uh, Gower usually maybe Gower is normally a talkative guy and he's just right. disappeared being surly. So, Correct. you know, and going in the back there and trying to investigate. That's right. And and it, it, it already shows us what type of personality George has. George George wants to help others. I mean, that that is his motivation for everything. That's why he wants to travel the world and, and build things and stuff like that. You know, he, he's, he doesn't want to do it for himself. You know, you, you see in all of his actions throughout this movie and even his his words of what he wants to do, he wants to help others. Yes. You know, he's he you never sa- you never hear him uh, say anything selfish, except for the fact that he wants to travel to be able to help others. That's as selfish as, as George gets in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he pictures himself as, uh, you know, the 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 global explorer, maybe writing articles for uh, National Geographic and spreading his knowledge of what he's found out on his travels That's right. to other people to let them know all about coconuts. Um, That's right. But but he but, he sees that Gower is, is has received this this telegram, and immediately you see on his face he wants to go help Gower. Yeah. Yeah, he just wants to do something for him, anything I can do to help. And is there anything you want to talk about, that kind of stuff? He's just and, he, and he looks like he's in a daze also because, like, the way that he just puts the the the, the ice cream on the counter and doesn't even look at Mary. You know, he's, yeah. he's just concerned about, you know, he's he's focused just on Gower. Yeah. This you is- know, and then, then he walks to the back and he goes, Mr. Gower, do you want something? Do you want anything? And Gower goes, no. He goes, anything I can do back here? You know, he, he constantly wants to, to help here. Yeah. And, you know, we, we see Gower in the back, you know, putting pills in a, uh, in, in a container. You know, and it, it yeah, actually, it's, it's funny that it looks like he's putting them in like a, you know, a little box that you, that you put ammunition in. You know, the way yeah. that he's putting it in the, you know, the, the little box, he's just putting, putting the pills in there. Yeah, it looks like he emptied yeah. out a matchbox and just. But apparently, that's uh, from what I've been looking at in old pictures of uh, of prescriptions. That's pretty much how uh, they were sent out. They were put in little sliding boxes. Right. Uh, okay, and and then we we see uh, a shot on the uh, from of of uh, Gower's feet. Yes. And, and George's feet. And George's feet. But we see Gower. Gower is basically um, moving back and forth. You see his his foot lift up he's he's basically swaying back and forth showing that he's unstable yeah. and then we, we see nine pills fall on the ground you know as yeah, he's and, uh, trying to put them into this box yeah you know, and and they just, have a, a printed linoleum floor which is you know era appropriate yeah. um but yeah he's definitely you know out of it. and it be- you know beautiful editing it just matches it, it it's matching your your mind follows where things are happening where you know you, that's right um and then he he's just, he pulls out his his cigar you know that that he's been chomping on yeah uh, you know and and basically at this point you know he 
we, we hear George say, I'll get them, sir. You know, he wants to lean down and pick up the stuff. And he goes, quick, take these capsules over to Mrs. And then he gets cut off. So we don't get to hear. Tomorrow, people have to come back to find out who gets yeah, these capsules. Who it was, yeah. Who gets these capsules? You know, it's a uh, it's Russian roulette with 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 Mr. Gower. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and you think about the you know the horror of it all for for him is um, he deals with disease every day. That's he right. knows everybody in town who's sick, and his son, who he would have wanted to treat, is too far away to save. So the you know the one man who may have been able to help more, or even you know to provide comfort, he's not there for him. So it's just that just must prey on his mind, especially when he knows how many other sick people there are. That's right. Cause you know, who knows where Hamilton college is, you know, it's yeah. far, far away. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's how this minute ends. Did you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Um, I was going to look up, I, I, I wrote it down and I never looked it up, but I didn't know what there's, there's a bunch of old, uh, there's old terms for, uh, uh, medications on the on the the wall behind Gower, and there was something called um, calamus. And as far as I can tell, it was used to uh, on the top fix, shelf, right? On the top shelf, calamus, yeah. yeah. And it was kind of a general purpose thing. It was used for stomach problems, skin problems, earaches, and to remove the smell of tobacco. But there is so no so good it's like sign. Windex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, but it, there's no scientific that it, evidence to support that it worked about anything. Um, so it's uh, they said that it might be something that helps. It might reduce muscle. Uh, it might relax muscles, and it might reduce swelling. But nobody knows, and that apparently all they know is it does. You know, there is no proof of any of that stuff. But people still believe in it, and it's a very common weed, apparently. So uh, weed isn't weed or weed isn't no just just, a, weed isn't just a dandelion kind of thing. It's just oh, okay. out there and around, um, but used commonly in Chinese, Nepal and Indian herbal traditions. Um, and it was also used by the Chippewa uh, natives of Kansas. And I it's also a Canada. spice that people use in food. There you go. So. <laughs> All the the many use maybe you know he might have been running a salad bar at the you know at the same time he was running the ice cream stand. Well, they say they say it kills insects, cancer cells, and reduces swelling. Sure, it does. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you can you know report back if that if that's how it works. That's um, right. <laughs> so it's uh, and it's a apparently it grows pretty much everywhere. You can find it in India, Asia, Russia, Siberia, Europe, and North America. So if you're in a temperate climate, you can probably find some out in your backyard or in a swamp. I think it grows in a swamp. Right. So, uh, wow. So that's, yeah, that's all I've got for this minute. So on Wednesdays, we have a segment called It's a Wonderful Wednesday, where basically the whole idea is that ever since this movie came out, the idea of this movie has been used as a trope in many TV shows, movies. Uh, I even found in songs, uh, comic books, a whole bunch of places where you take the idea where you have a character who wishes either that something is changed, wishes that something has changed in their life, whether it's that they no longer are there or whether that they made a different decision at a certain point in their life and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I have uh, created a list of all of these uh, various tropes. Uh, and most of them are from uh, places where I'm familiar with the references. Uh, and 
each week I talk about one of them. So this week I decided to talk about an episode of the TV show Mork and Mindy, oh. which uh, the the episode is called It's a Wonderful Mork. It was the second to last episode of the first season. I, I, I actually just rewatched it. You can, you can even find it on YouTube where Mork annoys Mindy, her father. Uh, he basically annoys everyone around him. And he decides that, uh, you know, because they're so upset at him, maybe their lives will be much better if he wasn't around. So he asks Orson to, to, to take him away from, from, uh, from Earth. And Orson says, I'm going to do one better, and I'm actually going to let you see what would have happened to these characters um, had you not shown up, you know, a year ago to change their lives. So we, we find out that, so just for anyone who isn't familiar, Mork and Mindy is a TV show from the 19, from the late 1970s, uh, starring Pam, Pam Dauber and, uh, Robin Williams, which was basically his breakout, uh, role. This was a pseudo spinoff of Happy Days because Mork, uh, showed up on Happy Days before he got his own show. Uh, it takes place in Denver. And the idea uh, is Boulder, 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 sorry, Boulder, sorry, Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. Excuse me. And the idea here is, is that you have Mork, who is an, an alien from the uh, planet uh, Orc, who shows up on Earth and uh, uh, falls in love with a an aspiring an aspiring journalist uh, named Mindy. And her her father owns a music store. And you know, when 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 I rewatched this episode, I was just floored about the amount of uh, of improv that, that Robin Williams must do in every one of these episodes. And it was just amazing watching it. So basically the, the, the premise of the episode is that Mork, you know, once Mork is shown what life would be like if he hadn't shown up and Mindy ends up uh, getting married to, to this guy who has a gambling issue and uh, bosses her around and makes makes her get two jobs. Uh, one is a, I think, a waitress, and another, I, I don't remember, maybe the other one's is a secretary. In order to be able to pay their bills, you know, she's in a very unhappy marriage. Um, her father has sold his store and went on a world whirlwind tour of the world. Uh, he comes back uh, talking about, you know, all the, the the women that he met and stuff like that. But in the end, we find out that, uh, you know, he was making it all up. He really did not enjoy himself. Uh, during this whole trip, and then the the, the grandmother uh, also is not happy that uh, the way that her life has gone because she now is living with Mindy and her new husband. And Mork learns a lesson from this, obviously, that uh, you know their lives are all better off with the fact that he is you know in in their lives and he has made things better. And you know. Uh, at a certain point, Mork says, "Oh, it's a wonderful life." And then, you know, the, he also mentions the fact that, well, if you have friends, then uh, you know, then your life is, will be richer. Basically, quoting from this movie. So, I, I, I think that's a, a a nice tribute to this movie. You know, it came the 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 episode came out uh, approximately thirty thirty two years after the uh, the the movie itself, and. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed rewatching it, and I I recommend that people take a look at it if uh, if if you were so inclined. You know, it's 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 a, a nice twenty four minutes. Uh, you know, just to see uh, what would happen to Mork if, or what would happen to everyone else if Mork did not uh, show up. Huh. Yeah, that's so, trope. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> All right. So, Jim, you want to tell people uh, where they can get in touch with uh, Jim O'Kane? Ah, well, you can find me on. I don't know. I, I, I've lost count of how many different podcasts we've we've been doing. Um, one I can recommend if you want to just dip your toe in to see what see what I talk about when I'm on uh, different podcasts. Uh, a actually a podcast that uh, Rob is listening to at the moment, the Apollo 13 minute. Where we cover. Well, um, I'm hoping. 19. I'm hoping by the time that this show oh, airs, right, yeah. I've already finished yeah. it. Well, yeah, well, I got, I got, I got 30, 30, 30 episodes left. So yeah, so he's back in there. The uh, we recorded the uh, 1995 Ron Howard film Apollo 13, one minute of screen time per episode, and uh, not only did we get to talk to people who helped make the movie a little bit players and things like that some some players that were on the screen we didn't get to talk to tom hanks i have to warn you we, we were hoping to get tom hanks and uh he ex, uh, accidentally moved to greece during the times and he could we couldn't uh, line stuff up with his press people but we almost we almost got tom hanks um but uh, just as a nice consolation we do have uh, astronaut fred hayes among some other uh real life people that participated in the apollo 13 uh, saga and uh, Fredo was a really, you know, the the actual lunar module pilot. He was a great guest. Uh, we had a bunch of people that uh, put this together. We had people that uh, had been mission controllers, uh, all the different aspects of uh, our flights to the moon. And uh, it was real. I had a great time. Uh, my co-host Chris Henry, who has the world's greatest Rolodex, he knows all these folks. Um, got us some really great guests. We had some great conversations. So if you want to check that out, it's Apollo 13 Minute, available at Apollo13Minute.com or wherever popular podcasts are carried. And I can attest to it that it, it's so much fun listening to all these people talking about, it, you know, so, someone said to me that, you know, there, there are podcasts that are entertaining and then there are podcasts that are informational. And Apollo 13 to me is both because it's so entertaining listening to these real life people and obviously Jim and Chris talk about everything that's going on in the movie. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, there's so much information about the, the Apollo missions and, you know, little tidbits and anecdotes of, of things that happen to the astronauts or that happen to, to, to you guys when you've met some of these, uh, you know, astronauts or, or flight controllers over the years and stuff like that. It's just a lot of fun. So anyone, and, and the episodes are not as long as the episodes that Jim and I do here. Um, the, you know, they're usually about uh, 20, 25 minutes. So, you know, you, you can get them done, uh, a little quicker <laughs> if, yeah, if we, you we, are so we, inclined. We assume we, there are, our target audience is people who, live about maybe 10 to 15 miles from work and need to listen to something short before they get into the parking lot. That's where, that's where we aim. If you're on a, if you're on a train, it should be about a 20 minute ride. No more, no more than that. That's what that's we're aiming for. <laughs> exactly. So yes, go check that out. That I highly recommend that. And uh, while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly, dear. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.